Music with a message on the Messenger of Good News, KFUO. I'm Gary Duncan. This is the Midday Moments program. It's time now for our moment in creation with Pastor Warren Worth of Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Arnold. Hi, Pastor Worth. How are you doing? I'm doing well, Gary. How are you? I'm doing good. Uh, hope you're having a fantastic day today. So you want to talk about the James Webb Space Telescope, is that correct? That is correct. So our listeners who may be interested in things scientific uh, probably are already aware that on Christmas Day, NASA launched uh, this James Webb Space Telescope successfully from uh, a spaceport in South America. And it is already uh, up in space, and it is already successfully deploying its space shield and its mirrors. And so uh, there's an article that I think that our listeners will find helpful if they want to look this up at answersingenesis.org. It was posted by Rob Webb, that's W-E-B-B, on January 8th of this year, and he is a former aerospace engineer, who's also a Bible-believing Christian, who wrote this article for Answers in Genesis. The title is A Biblical Response to the James Webb Space Telescope Launch. And now, you said Bob's, those, Bob, is James Webb a person, I'm assuming, and is Bob Webb related? I do not know. I was trying to find that out. I do not know if there's any relationship. James Webb is a, uh, was an uh, administrator of NASA back in the 1960s and is credited with helping to advance the space program in its early stages back there in the 1960s. And this Rob Webb, I don't know if he's any related relation, but he is an aerospace engineer, so <laughs> interested in some of the same subject matter there. And it's kind of intriguing the way he wrote his uh, title there, that it's a biblical response to this launch. Mm -hmm. So first of all, what is the James Webb Space Telescope? Well, it's the most powerful telescope ever built. It cost $10 billion, took more than 30 years to plan, design, and get this thing up there in outer space. Um, it's designed to be in orbit at uh, a place where the the gravitational pull of the sun and other big bodies are such that it can just kind of be parked out there about a million miles away from Earth. And it will keep that space shield up, which is as thin as one human hair and as large as a tennis court. So it's kind of hard to imagine something that big, which they had to fold up origami style inside the rocket when they set it up. And now it's fully deployed, and it has a bunch of mirrors, an array of mirrors to serve as the telescope eye. And so it's able to collect seven times more light than, say, the Hubble t telescope was able to do. And so it's going to be able to see light from more distant objects in the universe than we've ever seen before and can gaze more deeply into space than any other telescope that people have ever built. Also, it's got instruments that are sensitive to infrared radiation, so it'll be able to detect light from beyond the visible spectrum. And so uh, astronomers will be able to see faraway objects that are often hidden because of uh, clouds of space dust and things like this if their radiation comes in at the infrared level. So it's pretty amazing that way. Plus, the instruments on board have to be very, very cold, minus 388 degrees Fahrenheit. So that's really cold. 
and that's why they have that large sunshade, that sun shield, and they'll keep the instrument always pointed away from our sun so that uh, it will be cold and be able to see these things. Well, all of that is amazing. The, the technological and engineering feat is itself amazing, and, and we say, wow, that, what a thing that God gives us the ability to use our reason and our senses to build such things and to be able to explore the universe that he has made. If only we would do that and then always give God the glory. But unfortunately, sometimes people get too big for their britches, and that's why this article was written by Rob Webb at Answers in Genesis. Because when you read the news releases that come out about this, they inevitably talk about things from an evolutionary standpoint. They're looking at this as the universe is billions of years old, the Big Bang is how you explain everything. So what they're claiming to be able to do by looking so far into deep space is to answer questions like this. How did the universe begin? When were the first stars and galaxies created? How do planets form? How do we fit into the cosmos? Well, think about that. <laughs> Those are not just observational science kinds of questions, are they? I mean, you get into this into the matter of historical science and really philosophy and religion kind of come into play. And it's not just a purely observational scientific kind of question. So one has to be careful because some of the stuff that comes down the pike blurs the distinction between what is scientific observational fact versus what is interpretation, what is speculation, what is their philosophical worldview doing here. And so uh, that's what this article by Rob Webb is intended to you know, make you aware of and bring us back to the Bible. So we realize from the Bible, which is God's own eyewitness account of how the universe came into being, how the stars came into being. And, and so we say that's what we as Bible-believing Christians want to do. Start with that, and then you can look at these other uh, things that we can observe, whether it's through microscopes or telescopes, and say, okay, we look at the world God made, and we think God's thoughts after him, and give God the glory. In Genesis chapter 1, we read about how God made the sun, the moon, and the stars, on day four of creation. So he had already created planet Earth. There was always already a cycle of light and darkness put in place. We already had vegetation by that time. So that's very different than the evolutionary story about the Big Bang and so forth. So we should not try to compromise the Bible and squish these things together, thinking we can have the Bible and we can believe in evolution and the evolutionary worldview. They, they really do not mesh. And so uh, Rob Webb warns us about that. And he also points out the folly of, of some of the evolutionary thinking because they fail to realize that the very fact that science works, observational science works, and uh, working science works is because the universe that God made is logical and follows natural laws, which is basically another way of saying this is the way God ordered everything to work. And so to, to try to get rid of the idea of God with a kind of an atheistic worldview, and yet look at the universe that is explainable to the extent that you understand things working in a logical, reasonable fashion, it's like, okay, really... The Bible is, the, is pointing us to the God who created everything, who is the source of the universe and the logical laws of the universe, and so forth. So, in conclusion, Rob points us back to the Bible and pointing out that we should not 
be misled <clears throat> by uh, an evolutionary or secular humanistic worldview when considering these things. Always be careful to separate what's fact from make-believe imagination. Again, we can marvel that God allowed very smart people to make this very sophisticated piece of equipment that we got up in space. That's, that's a wonderful thing all its own, but like the Tower of Babel, we don't want to think that we're smarter than God, bigger than God, and rebel against our Creator. One other thing that Rob points out in his article is that the mirrors designed for this telescope actually imitate something that God designed back in the beginning. God designed scallops, you know, the sea creatures, to see in the same way. And so if it took all these very, very smart people, all this time and money to build this very sophisticated instrument, it uses a design that's similar to the way that scallops are able to see because God designed them that way back there in Genesis chapter 1 in the beginning when God created everything. And ultimately, we care about this most of all because we want to point people to Jesus, who is the creator and sustainer of the universe, as well as our redeemer. And in this holy season, we remember that Jesus is the light of the world, who came into our sin-darkened world to rescue us from our sin, from our rebellion against God, that we might be brought out of darkness into his marvelous light. And so, uh, Rob Webb would encourage you, as do I, to trust in God's Word, the Bible, and to hear about the Word made flesh, Jesus Christ, who is the world's only Lord and Savior. May we all repent of our sins and believe in Him as our Savior and Lord. Would you like to lead us in the prayer as we wrap up this segment? I would be glad to do so. I'm using the hymn uh, from LSB number 810, O God of God, O Light of Light, the first stanza. O God of God, O Light of Light, O Prince of Peace and King of Kings, to you in heaven's glory bright, the song of praise forever rings. To him who sits upon the throne, the Lamb once slain but raised again, be all the glory he has won, all thanks and praise. Amen. 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 Thanks so much, Pastor. You're welcome. I look forward to our conversation next week as well, and a very interesting conversation today. We are the messenger of good news worldwide at kfuo.org.